0: an Eatonville soccer season five the first annual Zora Neale Hurston Festival of the Arts the event and its aftermath January through June 1990 here's our storyteller N.Y. Nathiri dear listener I'm going to ask for you to stay with me after the end of this episode for a postscript appeal Episode two, official opening day, Thursday, January 25, 1990. At last, the time had actually arrived. The schedule for the official opening day called for the festival registration to take place from four to 6 p.m. with the formal program to begin at 7.30 p.m. and end at nine. Both the registration and the program proper Were to take place at the Denton S. Johnson Community Center, 411 Ruffle Street in Eatonville. Now, dear listener, together, let's use our mind's eye so we can embrace as fully as possible the impact of location and space as we recall that opening day. The Denton S. Johnson Community Center is located four blocks south of East Kennedy Boulevard within a residential neighborhood across the street and to its north is still today a complex of single-story apartments. Think motel unit configuration. Across the street to its east, a modest single-family development, three bedrooms, one bath, kitchen and living room. Think about 1,700 square feet. This housing development was built to accommodate the working-class families with steady employment. The land had been developed from what had been known as Steele's Grove. The Steele family was sufficiently prominent to have been covered in Ebony Magazine, the iconic monthly periodical founded by John H. Johnson in 1945. And here, dear listener, I'd like to take a moment to describe Ebony Magazine courtesy of Wikipedia. Ebony focused on news, culture, and entertainment, Its target audience was the African-American community, and its coverage includes the lifestyles and accomplishments of influential Black people, fashion, beauty, and politics. In its first issue, the editors proclaimed, quote, We like to look at the zesty side of life. Sure, you can get all hot and bothered about the race question, and don't think we don't but not enough is said about all the swell things we Negroes can do and will accomplish. Ebony will try to mirror the happier side of Negro life, the positive everyday achievements from Harlem to Hollywood. But when we talk about race as the number one problem in America, we'll talk Turkey. Our first program had all the necessary components for success. Rebecca Randall, a newscaster at W.O.F.L. Channel 35, a Central Florida station which in 1990 was not a Fox affiliate, presided over the evening. Eatonville Mayor James Williams brought greetings. The special feature so listed on the program was reminiscences of Zora Neale Hurston by people who actually knew her. Miss Harriet Moseley, a granddaughter of Matilda Moseley, the childhood best friend of Zora Neale Hurston. Mrs. Ella J. Dinkins, one of the pretty Johnson girls Zora Neale Hurston references in her folklore collection Mules and Men. Mrs. Louise Thompson Patterson made notorious for the role she allegedly played in The Falling Out between famed poet Langston Hughes and Zora Neale Hurston. Mr. Stetson Kennedy, who served as Zora Neale Hurston's supervisor, a role he amply qualified as he talked about the Works Progress Administration. Recognizing that some in our audience may not be familiar with the WPA, let's take a moment to go back in time, again, courtesy of Wikipedia. The Works Progress Administration, WPA, renamed in 1939 as the Work Projects Administration, was an American New Deal agency that employed millions of job seekers, mostly men who were not formally educated, to carry out public works projects, including the construction of public buildings and roads. It was set up on May 6, 1935 by presidential order as a key part of the Second New Deal. In one of its most famous projects, Federal Project Number One, the WPA employed musicians, artists, writers, actors, and directors in arts, drama, media, and literary projects. The five projects dedicated to these were the Federal Writers Project, FWP, the Historical Records Survey, HRS, the Federal Theater Project, FTP, the Federal Music Project, FMP, and the Federal Art Project, (F). A. P. In the Historical Records Survey, for instance, many former slaves in the South were interviewed. These documents are of immense importance to American history. Theater and music groups toured throughout the United States and gave more than two hundred and twenty five thousand performances. Archaeological investigations under the WPA were influential in the rediscovery of pre-Columbian Native American cultures and the development of professional archaeology in the U.S. The Federal Writers Project was where the relationship between Stetson Kennedy and Zora Neale Hurston was first established. By January 1939, more than 275 books and booklets had been published by the FWP. Most famously, the FWP created the American Guide Series, which produced thorough guidebooks for every state that include descriptions of towns, waterways, historic sites, oral histories, photographs, and artwork. An association or group that put up the cost of publication sponsored each book. The cost was anywhere from $5,000 to $10,000. In almost all cases, the book sales were able to reimburse their sponsors. Additionally, another important part of this project was to record oral histories to create archives such as the slave narratives and collections of folklore. These writers also participated in research and editorial services to other government agencies. Mr. Edgar Hurston was the last person cited on the list of featured presenters. He, in 1990, was Zora Neale Hurston's eldest living nephew. Mr. Edgar and his sister Winifred, nicknamed Pie Pie, were a wonderfully special addition to the program because they represented family. And here, dear listener, I want to provide some more perspective about the historic Eatonville community. As my late mother, Ella Augusta Johnson Dinkins, used to say to me, NY, one of the ways to think about Eatonville is just one big extended family. If you go back, and even like today, she would say, there are so many people who are actually related to one another. She'd remind me of how elders in the community would say, particularly as children from Eatonville were being bussed here and there, these elders would give this practical, real-world advice. You'd better caution your children about their romantic interests, lest they end up being interested in a half-sister or half-brother. So, what does this aside have to do with how we came to know Miss Edgar and Miss Winifred? Well, Miss Winifred's family member had once been married to a family member of Mrs. Harrell, a close family relationship of my mother's, both of whom were leaders of the St. Lawrence African Methodist Episcopal Church, whose congregation, by the way, was established in 1891 before the town of Eatonville was incorporated. Mrs. Harrell told Miss Winifred about the festival plans, how her friend, Mrs. Dinkins' daughter, was in a leadership position with the organization presenting the event, and then, as is said, the rest is history. Miss Winifred, who lived in Tennessee, got in contact with her brother, who lived in Connecticut, and the communication flowered from there. The evening ended with a presentation of the Jump at the Sun exhibit and its viewing let's once again use our mind's eye as I describe the exhibit and its content. The exhibit was presented on a series of panels or doors, each one focusing on a specific aspect of Zora Neale Hurston and her Eatonville roots. Each panel presented specific subject areas with these main focuses. The founding of Eatonville, Zora's Eatonville and Zora's Cosmos, biographical information on Zora Neale Hurston, her role as a writer, a folklorist, and an anthropologist, and then a panel or two on celebrating Zora, a review of people, literary work, theatrical productions, which as of 1990 formed a core of interest in Zora Neale Hurston, this charismatic cultural icon. We ended our program with a reception, an opportunity for audience and program participants to engage with one another. Still today, I can see the warm smiles, the embraces, the good vibes within that room. End of episode two. Postscript and appeal. Dear listener, in real time, September 2022, season five, the first annual Zora Neale Hurston Festival of the Arts, the event and its aftermath, January through June 1990, is being aired as our organization is preparing to present the 34th season of the Zora Festival, January through October, 2023, and as we put in place the major elements of our signature festival celebration, the 35th season, January through October, 2024. In order for 2024 to be all it should be, we need the Zorophiles, or as the late Valerie Boyd termed us, the Zora heads, to become financially committed. Certainly, individual investment is necessary, but referrals to non-government-based decision-makers, people for whom the phrase rate of return on investment will resonate, as well as to those who recognize a responsibility to see the work in which we are engaged, thrive. Now, why is it that I speak about non-government-based funding? That is because over the decades, PEC has been very competitive in securing funding from government agencies at the local, state, and in some instances at national levels. Please reach out to me, ny at preserveeatonville.org. That's N-Y at P-R-E-S-E-R-V-E-E-A-T-O-N-E. V I L L E dot org. Thank you. You've been listening to an Eatonville Saga, executive producer, the Association to Preserve the Eatonville Community Inc., podcast, concept, and storyteller, Nyna Theory, Eatonville Native, and the executive director of the Association to Preserve the Eatonville Community Inc., PEC. Produced and directed by Ken Moore. 2022 copyright by the Association to Preserve the Ethan Community, Inc., P.E.C., all rights reserved.